Welcome to yet another episode of the Christian Sages, where Doug Inman and I talk about our favorite thing in the world, which is baseball. No, I mean, we talk about the Word of God. So, welcome again. Uh, we might talk about baseball, too, but since the Mets stink, I don't... Only if the Braves win. Only if the Braves win, yeah. Well, right now they're not. The Mets are beating them 3 to nothing. So, even though the Mets are terrible... They're beating the Braves. Well, that's all I care about, you know. If we beat the Braves and the Yankees and the Phillies, then the world is a great place. That's all I ask. You don't have to give me a pennant. Just beat the Braves and the Yankees. <laughs> anyway, so today we are talking about Habakkuk, or Habakkuk, or Habachi. <laughs> Depending on, you know, Habachi, like... It sounds like you're, you know, Japanese. Japanese. Yeah, yeah, a Japanese yeah, pretty, grill. I've eaten there before. It's pretty good. It is, yeah. I've eaten at Hibachi's. <laughs> uh, anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> we're having fun with this one today. You know, I love that we're picking, like, all these obscure books that, like, most people don't think about when you think about, oh, I'm going to do a podcast, you know, it's like, or let's do a teaching series on Romans or Hebrews, but we're going to do Habakkuk. Yeah, Habakkuk. Yeah. yeah, Habakkuk is not a go-to. As a matter of fact, I didn't even really know what it was about. <laughs> Neither did I until we started reading it. It's like I'm pretty sure I've read it in the past, like just to yeah. just to read it, but I like had no idea what it was about. I had no idea what we were, you know. But it's such a it's well, such a great book, though. It didn't promise me that I would go out and conquer the world, so I didn't like it. <laughs> it didn't promise no. you riches and glory and fame. No, absolutely not. Yeah, no, no, I agree. Mine didn't promise me that either. I mean, you know, I mean, that that's kind of the thing, you know, we, but I think it's one of the greatest books in the Bible that I've read so far. It really is yeah. very powerful, a lot more powerful than I expected. It's kind of like, you know, we when we tackled Ecclesiastes, I didn't yeah. expect I didn't expect to get as much out of Ecclesiastes as I got out of Ecclesiastes. But Ecclesiastes is also a very powerful book, a lot more well, powerful than you'd expect. I think you find that both of these books are very sobering because when you read them, they don't really build you up. They they basically um, point out the fact that there's evil in the world, that there's not ultimate justice that's going to come as swiftly as we would want it to come. Right. But ultimately, that's the that's what the book is about. It's Habakkuk's upset about evil. Yeah. And why are the righteous suffering? And then God's answer is the evil don't, in the long run, That's right. they don't triumph. So yeah. he promises ultimate justice. But but what goes before that is he's saying the Chaldeans will come in and yeah. take over Judah and cap- put them in captivity. And he is lamenting that. But, you know, I think that it's a lot about faith. And that's kind of what I got out of this book. Like, I, I really feel like even Paul in Romans uh, 1, he quotes it. In Romans 1, 16 and 17, he quotes uh, Habakkuk, and he says that the just shall live by faith, which is also where you first see that, the just shall live by faith, which 
honestly is is a Christian's mantra. It's my dad's mantra. Um, it's it's um, you know what he meditates on, what he sits when he's cross legged and going, um, the just shall live by faith. Um, the just shall live by faith. But you know, I think that even Martin Luther, you know, he nailed that when he did his so was it ninety eight thesis. Uh, 98-point thesis to, to the Catholic Church's wall, the just shall live by faith is what started that. Right. And, and you find that in this book for the first time. This is where they first hit on this idea that the just shall live by faith. And I think that's really powerful because everything that we do is in faith. The, the only way that we can walk this out is in faith. The only way we can even do this podcast is in faith. Right. You know what I'm saying? That we, we as Christians, that, that is the core center of what we are and what we do and why we do is faith. And he goes on to talk that this is where you first find that in the Bible, this concept that, that as a, as a child of God, faith is the center of, of everything. And I, I think that's pretty cool. It's, it's really powerful. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's something, yeah, there's something to it that there, you either live by faith or you don't. Yeah, And so if you're not living by faith, what you're doing is looking around and you're seeing the news, you're seeing what's going on, you're seeing Christians being killed, you know, in, in Egypt, in Iraq, and in, in Korea, and places like that, and wondering why there's shootings. And really what you have to look at is the Word of God, which says that God is working out His way, His plan, His way. And, you know, He's He is sovereign, He's in control, and that's what faith tells us. And that faith also tells us, like we said before, that God will vindicate those who are faithful to him. And so God will completely destroy evil in the end. We have to accept that. And what's interesting is people on that side of the cross looking forward, you know, in the Old Testament, they place their faith in Christ looking forward, anticipating the Messiah. Yep. Uh, and believing in Yahweh. Now, we, um, we place our faith looking back. And we understand more clearly yeah. what the just shall live by faith means and how, how are we just. Because that's one thing Romans talk, talks about, too. Paul talks about no one's just. No that's one's right. righteous. Yeah. And that it's Christ's righteousness imputed to us, which actually makes us righteous. Either. Yeah. Yeah, well, the scripture in Romans 1 where he says that he's talking about is where he says... <laughs> what? You you just took like a really deep yawn. Yeah, I did. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm tired. Um, When (laughs) Romans 1, 16 is where he says that um, that that salvation is the power of God. Uh, um, The gospel is the power of God unto salvation of the Jew first and also the Greek. And then he goes on to say the just shall live by faith. And he's taught, as a Christian, our whole life exists not in what we see but in what we know in our spirit to be true. Right. And what we see does not affect what we know to be true or what we believe. And that's what faith is. We don't ask for, um, and I think that's what he's talking about here. We're, you know, he understands that they're about to go into a situation where um, they're going to face trials and tribulations, where they're going to be conquered, and they're going to have to trust the Lord in it. They're going to have to continue to believe that God is moving in the middle of all of that. And the just shall live by faith. And and he, I think that, like he says at the very end, though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold 
and there be no hurt in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will join the Lord God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength. He will make my feet like deer's feet, and he will make me walk on high places. And he's talking about, I love that because it talks about giving him the ability through faith to walk through the situations that are coming up. To, the, right. to see it through to the end, to see the glory of God moving. But the faith is necessary in that time when you don't see. Right. You know what I'm saying? We talk a lot about, yeah. well, I have faith if I see. But, but faith is, is active when you're not seeing, when you're in the middle of those trials and tribulations. And that's what he's talking about here, that the just shall live by faith, that God will give me the ability through faith he will give me his strength and make my feet like deer's feet so that I may be able to walk on high places. And when he's talking about high hills, what he's talking about is walking above the situation, being able to jump from the mountaintop to the mountaintop, which is what they, what, you know, that, that scripture in, in the New King James, or I mean in the original King James says, hinds feet on high places. What he's talking about is a deer that is jumping from high place to high place and avoiding the traps and the situations that are below, avoiding the trouble. They would go up to the high places to avoid the predators. They would go up to the high places to avoid um, the situations that, that might hurt them in the ground or to avoid the hunters. And the Bible, this is what he's talking about here, is that in the middle of the trials, God is going to, through faith, give me the ability to walk on high places above that. And he's not saying that those situations won't come, but that God will give me the ability to walk through those situations by faith. And I think that's right. what's so awesome about this book, that that is what this whole book is about. Right. And that, that's where our faith, um, in those tough circumstances, that's where our faith must remain solid yeah. in the unchanging object of our faith. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yep. And so he's not the... That's what we need to understand in those times is Jesus is not the product of our changing opinions and feelings. He's right. not, you know, he's not a health and wealth genie that so many evangelicals idolize. Yeah. He's the truth. He's absolute in all his ways and his justice is coming and he will save those who live by faith. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's the application for us in this book is to trust in our sovereign God and find peace in the fact that he is working everything out for our good. Not for heaven on earth right now in the sin-cursed world, you know, in our sin-cursed bodies, which will all yeah. die. Yeah. But this life is not all there is, and yet we think, because read Hebrews 11. You know, it talks about Abraham uh, looking forward to that city, not the city on this earth, but the city which builder and maker is God. He's talking about Moses, yeah. who yeah. rejected the pleasures of Egypt and the riches of Egypt because he saw Christ and the reproach of Christ as so much more greater a reward. And so that's really, you know, that whole faith chapter comes into play here, too, where you see so many men and women of God who place their faith completely in Christ and live through trials and triumphs. Yeah. You know, there were, there were both of those. I, um, think, I think this, what I got a lot about from this book is it's about endurance. It's about revitalization. Yeah. When it seems like, and I think what I found so applicable about this applicable about this book is that what I found in it was hope that I right. can that that no matter what I've gone through, that I can revitalize the vision, that I can find it again. I mean, he even says that in chapter three again. He says, "Oh Lord, I have heard your speech and was afraid. Oh Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make it known." And I think that that that's so awesome to me. 
that yeah. that's what this book is about. It's like we're going through this long period of 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 being uh, of, of of trials and tribulations, and it's so easy in the middle of the trials and tribulations to lose track of what God is doing, to lose track of your relationship with God, to lose track of, of your faith. And he says, oh, Lord, revive your work in the midst of the years. Revive in me is what he's saying. Revive it in right. Israel, the and, works of your hands. Revive and that, them. And that's a huge point because faith yeah. comes from God. It's a gift from God. Yeah. And true faith will endure to the end. Yeah. And I think that's something that people often uh, – get caught up in debating, once saved, always saved, all that other stuff. And really what you need to just say is true faith will endure to the end because it's of God. He'll sustain you. Your yeah. faith came to you from God. He brought salvation, and he will sustain you. And so another thing is God cares much more about our sanctification and the sanctification of our soul than our comfort and safety oh, absolutely. and happiness. There, there's sort of a, Very a true. whole joke thing here too. You know, the, the whole point of Job is like, it's like, why is this happening to the righteous? And ultimately, it's like God cares much more about our faith yeah. than he does about how much stuff we have and all the perishable things that That's we have. Right. Because That's Because you right. think about the spirit world, in the spiritual realm, everything you see, our, our homes, our, our cars, every single thing that you see is already worthless Yeah. in the spiritual realm. And yet we, we often live by sight where we think everything that the world has and the world offers is actually worth something. Like we're actually yeah. missing out. That's the big lie of the enemy, that we're actually missing out. But the truth is yeah. all those things are worthless. And that's how faith sees it. That's how yeah. Moses, like I said, in uh, Hebrews or Hebrews eleven twenty five or something like that says he saw all the treasures of Egypt as worthless. Yeah, it's Hebrews 11. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it's the it's the search and the pursuit which we had talked about in our last podcast, the pursuit of what's eternal over what's temporal. And we make and and that that is in essence one of the problems of the fall is that we we go from being spirit, soul and body to body, soul and spirit, and everything becomes about our physical experience. But that's where faith comes in. And that's in a lot of ways is what Habakkuk is, is right. faith switches that back to I'm going to put my hope into what is eternal, not into what is temporal, not just right. into what I see, not just in what I can do by my own strength and my own hands, but by what you can do, God. And that's, again, what I love about this book is because he's talking a lot about that. It's about revitalizing that. I, I love what he says. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he will say to me and what I will answer when I am corrected. I love that because he's, he's showing that, you know, you're, we're going to be going through rough situations. We're going to be going through rough times and things are coming. Trials are coming. And sometimes, and what I th I'm really getting out of this is sometimes those trials come because we're in the wrong. Because we right. made a decision. You know, Israel is, gonna, is about to be oppressed in this situation. What he's seeing is a result of Israel's rebellion and disobedience to the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, you know, I'm going to stand my watch. I'm going to set out on my ramparts. And when he comes to me and corrects me, I'm going to respond appropriately. 
And then, then, he, then he goes on. The very next one he says, Then the Lord answered me and said, Write the vision and make it plain on the tablets, that he may run who reads it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time. But at the end it will speak, and it will not lie. Though it tarries, wait for it, because it will surely come. It will not tarry. Be, behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. And I didn't understand why he put in that part, uh, Behold the proud. His soul is not upright. I'm like, why does it, it doesn't really fit in the context? But if you go back to the first part of that where he says, I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch to see what he says to me and what I will answer when I am corrected, now it makes sense because he's saying, I'm not too proud to accept correction. But those right. who are proud do not accept correction. And they're not going to live by faith because they're going to continue to make the same mistakes. But those well, think- – go ahead, yeah. When you think about it, that's a constant theme in scriptures is God oh, always absolutely. comes to the humble. And you look at uh, – who are we talking about? Habakkuk. You Habakkuk. Look at Habakkuk and he <laughs> questions God, which is something you just don't do out of – or you don't do in the wrong way. In the wrong way. You better absolutely. come humbly. Yeah. And you better seek truth and you better seek um, – you better seek him in faith, knowing that his character is always righteous and perfect. Absolutely. Because you think about it – and. Other people came to God, like Job, and you see God comes in for like 70-something verses of, who are, who are you? Where were you when I formed? You know, he really yeah. comes off hard on Job. But yeah. with Habakkuk, he actually answers each question. I think the outline is Habakkuk asks a question, God answers. Oh, absolutely. And then Habakkuk asks another question, and God answers. And he yeah. does so in a in a affirmative way. You know? Yeah. And. That's so right. I think that I think it has something to do with Habakkuk's heart being humble. And, oh, absolutely. And able to correction. And I think that's what you see in the scripture. I absolutely agree with that. It's that he's he was willing to accept correction. You know, he was willing to humble himself and say, God, how am I going to answer you? Here I am standing on the ramparts. Here I am doing my watch like everybody else does. Here I am doing, doing what I'm supposed to do and being where I'm supposed to be. But when you come to me and, and it's time to be corrected, how am I going to respond to you? And I think that that correction, and then he goes on to talk about the vision and the living by faith, and I think those are all correlated together. You can't have, you can't have the vision without correction, or at least you right. can't walk it out properly without correction. He's like, I have the vision. I've written it down. I've written it down for, for later generations that we may not forget it and that may, we may walk it out, but I need your correction, Holy Spirit, because... I need to know the direct course. I need to know your course, not my own, but your course, your vision. And when you correct me, then I can correct my course. Right. And, and, that, and takes, that, takes, that takes faith right there, yeah. which is why the just shall live by faith, because it takes faith to trust the Holy Spirit to direct your course. It takes faith through the Holy Spirit to give you the vision and tell you how that, you know, you, he may give you a vision and he may say, it's like we had talked earlier about Joseph. And he's like, I, I gave Joseph a vision and Joseph knew the vision, but he didn't, it, he needed to trust the Holy Spirit in the situations that, during the path that God was taking him down because it didn't look like the path God was taking him down was going to take him to his vision. And he had to have faith in that. Well, when you think about it, faith really brings you to the heart level. Absolutely. It always brings you to the heart level because Absolutely. without faith, you don't you're not concerned about your heart. You know, true. so your heart is who you are. It's the core of who you are. When you strip away all the exterior, the presentation of what you like to show people or the way you might talk to yeah. make people think well of you. Strip that all away. And the yeah. heart is you before God and the way he sees you. 
Yeah. And when you're standing before him completely exposed, your thoughts, desires, everything's exposed. Yeah. And you can't help but be humbled. And your sins are out there for all to see. And then at that moment, how merciful is Christ's righteousness that he clothes you in? And how gracious is that perfectly white robe that you receive by faith? And so I think that's really important because because, uh, I forgot where it is exactly. Hebrews 13 says, let your hearts be strengthened by grace. And you almost get this. This by faith, you receive this grace that really strengthens yeah. you, and that's that's how we walk. That's Absolutely. how we endure. Absolutely. Um, and it's all at the heart level. Oh, it absolutely is. And you also get from Habakkuk to the sense of uh, David when he says, "Search me and know me, yeah. and uh, show if there's any wicked way in me." And I love what Jonathan Edwards comments on that scripture. He says, "How eager are you for God to search you?" And know you. And it's like this picture of searching as sifting through grain. Um, And that's something that takes a very humble, uh, that's a very humble approach to God, but that's how we're supposed to come before him. Absolutely. Oh, it's very true. It's very true. You know, that, it comes down to, again, I really like, and we had had this discussion earlier about um, people and, and church and getting plugged into church and developing a relationship in a church. But to, to have a relationship with somebody, it requires you to allow them into the deepest parts of who you are. And that, that, that requires opening up and allowing them access to thing, places that you wouldn't necessarily allow them, other people access to, enabling, to giving them the ability to hurt you. And that, yeah. that requires a level of faith. That requires a level of trust that you don't give to anybody. But see, that's what a relationship with God requires. That's what faith requires. You to go to, a, to, to that level of allowing yourself to trust so deeply that you could get hurt. Right. And, and, and so you, rec- you need that kind of trust with the Holy Spirit to have faith. Because you can't have that, ki- and, and you can't have faith without allowing that kind of trust between you and God. And I think that you know that's such an important concept that you know you have to humble yourself. You have to humble yourself before the Lord and, and trust Him and allow Him access to your heart. That's what He's asking for. And in turn, He allows He allows you access to His, which is, right. which is such an awesome thing. You know, well, covenant is all of me for all of you. Everything you have for everything I have. And that's what God has offered us. He hasn't just offered us salvation, but he's offered us a covenant, just like he offered Abraham. So what salvation is, it's a continuation of that covenant, which says all of me for all of you. But you can't give all to somebody that you don't trust, that you're not right. going to trust isn't, isn't going to hurt you and, 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 um, or isn't going to get you through the situations that, that you're facing. And even when it really looks hard, you know, we've all, you know, when you're married, when you have a, a friendship or relationship, you go through hard times and you just trust that you're going to get through that hard time, that your friend is going to be there or your wife is going to be there. And, and you keep that vision, which is a lot of what he's talking about here. And I think that's so important in our relationship with God to be humble in that sense and be able to allow God access to those areas that we're afraid to allow him access to at times. So we're afraid to allow because we're, we're afraid that he won't like what he sees. We're well, afraid, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing, too, is, is something that uh, made David a man after God's own heart was his willingness to, here's the king of I Israel. Agree. 
willing to rip his clothes and pour sackcloth and ashes and cry out loud and all this other stuff. He didn't really care how he looked to other people. No, he and didn't. That was very clear with David, whereas Saul was completely different than that. Yeah. But too many people follow in the steps of Saul because you preserve your own comfort, your own pride, your own, you know, the way you look. Um, and David wasn't concerned about that at all. He, no. he sort of just let, left it all out there. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. Absolutely. And so I think you know, that's something that's important to reflect on, though. Yeah. What type of person do you want to be? Absolutely. And, you know, I, I think even in my life, you can sit there and, 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 and you can go through the motions. But, but it takes effort um, to really open yourself up to God. It's going to take effort. It does. It absolutely does. Well, I love that, I mean, when he talks to David and he says that, or talks to Saul, and um, he says obedience <clears throat> is better than sacrifice. And why is obedience better than sacrifice? Because we don't have to, when we have to sacrifice something, it's because we've done something to break relationship. Right. You know, and um, that's why obedience is better. You know, you you don't want to have to go through a whole relationship always apologizing and having to make amends. I mean, you're going to have some of that, obviously. But you don't want to do that the whole time. That's not that's not a relationship. That's why obedience is better than sacrifice. That's why David's heart was different. David's heart was that he didn't want to hurt the Holy Spirit, that he didn't want to hurt God. You know, when he did, he made amends. But he didn't want to hurt God. He didn't want to constantly be doing things that... That, that hurt God. He wanted to be obedient. He wanted to have faith. He wanted to allow God into that deep. And when God corrected him, he responded the way he was supposed to, humbly, just like Habakkuk. He responded humbly to the Holy Spirit and said, this is, this is where the difference meets the road. And that's where the difference is between him and Saul. What, what, are, what are their heart attitude when corrected? What was their heart attitude behind it? Right. And um, you see what that here in Habakkuk. Yeah, one thing you see with Habakkuk is, he, you know, he starts off, and I can't even find Habakkuk in the Bible. Um, <laughs> he, start, he starts off uh, questioning God. Yeah. Yes, he as does. We often do, but then it comes from a man-centered question, and then it ends with him praising. It yep. ends with a God-centered, um, a God-centered view of things, and that's really when you. There's no greater contrast. Than a sinner and a holy God. It's true. Than a sinful man and a holy God. And so when we when we actually do enter um, into God's presence, we actually do enter in and and truly want answers from God. Yeah. Yeah. And are willing to accept those answers. We're not seeking rebellion. We're seeking truth. That's how we ask, ask questions. Yeah. When we're truly doing that, you're going to change. And you're going to leave glorifying God. You're going to you're going to leave the the you know how many times I think it's Isaiah uh, uh, Psalm seventy three where Asaph has like a really bad attitude the whole time. Yeah. And then at the end he ends he ends up glorifying God. Yeah. And so you it, it's okay to I think Scripture points out it's okay to question it's okay to ask questions and say I'm I'm feeling this way. Yeah. But not if you're not willing to realize God is who he is and he does what he does. He owes us nothing and he's worthy of everything. That's right. And, and, and really that sums up, you know, what our attitude should be. You know, when we do get yeah. frustrated, we need to reflect on God, on who he is. We need to check our theology and actually, um, actually truthfully seek 
uh, answered. I agree. And I think coming back to that trust in the relationship, that he loves me, that he's got, it, the Bible says that all things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purposes, Romans 8. You know, I think it, it really, faith always brings you back to this place that God has your best interest at heart, that God is moving, that God is getting you there, and that in the middle of this, we need to stir that up. And I think that's when, that's when faith, the, the rubber meets the road in your faith is when you're going through the middle of it and you're not seeing it. You're not right. seeing what you want to see. And you stir that up. And that's what he's doing here. You stir that up. And that's what he's trying to say. Write down the vision so that the time, when the time comes and you're not seeing what you think you need to be seeing, you're not seeing the vision, you're seeing the opposite, that you go back to that vision and you can stir it back up in your heart and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to, be do, is going to move because his vision is, he gave you that vision, that you're stirring that vision back up. And I think, you know, this whole book is really about that. It's well, really you know, about that. Putting yourself, in, putting, your, putting yourself in God's hands and trusting him no matter what you see. And that's, that's really what the whole Bible is about. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I'm in a Reformed denomination, so it's, it's covenant theology. And it's mm -hmm. really the lens of Scripture is seen through covenant. And that's what yeah. the Bible is about from, from the first, from the start of the Bible to the end of it. It's all about relationship with God. Yeah. And that's how he enters into a relationship with man is through covenant. Yeah. And so back to what you were saying about faith. Uh, all right. So let, Hebrews 11, 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Yeah. And I think that the important thing here is I feel like a lot of people think they want to seek God in faith for something. They want to seek God and use faith to gain something. But mm -hmm. what this says right here is he's a rewarder of what? Of himself. And that's another thing in Hebrews. You go to chapter 13. He says in verse 5, I will never leave you nor forsake you, so that we may boldly say the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man yeah. do to me? And so the greatest promise, one of the greatest promises in the Bible is I will never leave you nor forsake you. That's right. And that he has promised himself. And we accept that and believe it by faith. And that's our co covenant promise, that I will never leave you nor forsake you. And so, that's, that, anyway, go ahead. No, it goes to that, I, what you're hitting on is the, it's really the center of it all, is that our reward and our portion is him. Right. That's what we get out of this. That's, you know, by getting him, by default, we get healing. By default, we get riches. By default, we get all, all these other things that come from it. But, what, but the reason why we get all of those things is because we get him. And that's what a covenant is. That's what covenant is. All of you for all of me. Everything you have for everything I have. That's, yeah. But, but it, the core covenant, which is why um, Paul likens our relationship with Jesus to a marriage. Because it's, you get that person. That, that the core at the core of a marriage is not the dowry or the contracts or all the things that come with that person. It's that person themselves that you're getting, that right. person themselves. And so our greatest treasure, the greatest treasure that this universe has to offer is, our, is God, is that relationship with him. 
and and right. when you break all of faith down and all of Christianity down to its core element, that's what the core element is. We needed to be restored to that relationship. We were created to have that relationship. We were created to to know God and and, and, right. and to have a relationship with God. We fell away from that relationship. Salvation came to restore us to that relationship. That is what right. salvation is all about. That is what Christianity is all about. Is it's that restoration of that relationship. The law, the prophets, the 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 uh, 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 the, the temple, the the sacrifices. Those were all to get us back to that relationship. Right. Those were all pointing to Christ. They were, and, and that that and was back, what they were for, right? And, back, and that's that's just it. Is when we really grasp this that the great there's nothing that compares to knowing God. You look at yeah. Jeremiah. One of my favorite verses is Jeremiah nine twenty three through twenty four. Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Nor the let the rich man glory in his riches. But let yeah. him who glories glory in this, yeah. that he understands me and knows me. That I am the Lord, exercising loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these I delight, says Lord. And that's the greatest thing. What really compares to knowing him? And that's how deceitful riches – I like how Jesus says that some are taken away by the deceitfulness of riches, or be careful, be aware, lest you're taken away by the deceitfulness of riches. They're deceitful because they won't ultimately satisfy. That's right. And they're also deceitful because they pull us away from what's really important. In all of life, there's nothing that compares to knowing God. Absolutely true. Well, Paul, at the end of Romans 8, which is my favorite book in the Bible, he says in Romans 8, 37 um, through 39, Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. And I think that that is what he brings it all back down to. This is the core of everything, that nothing right. can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus now. Right. Nothing can separate me all of this is immaterial. Why can I do all of these things? Why can I go through all of these things and, and, and be more than a conqueror through them, through him who loved me? How can I do that? Because it's all about Jesus Christ, because nothing can separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, my Lord. And that's just it, like me and you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Right here it says, not because of our love for God, but it says because of God's love. love that's right. And it's all about – and that's what we have to realize is that our Christian life is not about what we do, what we don't do, how, how we live, how good we can be. It's all about the work that he has already done, that he yeah. has already finished. And that's what we put our faith in, the unchanging object of our faith yeah. is Christ. Yeah. And, and, and so we can – and we constantly even – Habakkuk, he's, he's facing it. He's seeing a lot of stuff go on. I think Jehoiakim had just taken over. And he killed Uriah, the prophet, and yep. he was doing just crazy stuff. And so Habakkuk's crying out, like, what's going yep. on? That's right. What Are, are you going to sit back and do nothing? You know, and he's, That's right. Um, and so, really, God refocuses him to, I'm going to deal with this. Just have faith. That's right. You know, and nothing Absolutely. will separate you from it. That's right. That, that's exactly what he did. In the middle of all of this, in the middle, and he shows him, listen, there is, there is judgment coming for what has been done. But trust me in the middle of that, that I'm going to do a work, that I'm going to pour out my spirit, 
That, and, he, and he says it over and over again. Write the vision down so that you remember it that when, when you're in the middle of it. And that, that even though it tarries, even though it seems like it's taking a long time, it will come to flourishing. I will move. You know, the just shall live by faith. And, and I think that that's, that that's what this whole book is about when it really comes down to it. And you think about it is, is after God's answer, there's almost a pity about the Chaldean. Yeah. That are coming in, who are both. <laughs> yeah, there is. You know, yeah. because yeah. and and that's really the attitude we should have when yeah. we see people who are 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 sinful and people who are, um, you know, just doing really bad things. And we should understand also that we shouldn't hate flesh and blood, um, but we should really have pity because yeah. we know God's judgment's nothing that I want to face, it's and true. nothing that I would wish on anybody. And I mm, hope they turn and, and repent. But, you know, Habakkuk, um, it's almost like he pities the, the Chaldeans, you know, yeah. even though they're about to come in and, <laughs> and wipe them out. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode of the Christian Sages talking about Habakkuk. If you'd like to know more about Habakkuk or our thoughts on Habakkuk, we'll probably have some pod, some, some blog posts up here pretty soon. My uh, 18-year-old daughter is helping me set up the website, so hopefully that'll be up pretty soon as well. By the time you're actually listening to this, it will probably be up. But anyway, hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, hopefully you uh, got something out of it. And um, if you want to contact us, you can contact us at thechristiansage at gmail.com. Um, anyway, yeah, God bless and, and have a wonderful time. Hopefully we'll see you next time. <laughs> Good night. Hey, Good night.